ghosts, specters, whatever you want to call them, they've been around for thousands of years. Apparently she died from a tooth infection in one of the upstairs rooms in the house. As at the locations they haunt. History of a Haunting Podcast tells you all about these famous, infamous, and almost famous locations. And why they became terrifying places to visit. Grab a glass of wine and settle in with your hosts, Archie. I mean, that was definitely the wrong thing to do. And Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for it, but hey, my podcast and I'll say what I fucking want. (laughs) Two people just winging it in life and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting. Hi guys, welcome to History of a Haunting. I am Carrie. And I am Laura. And we have a brand new episode for you this week, and we love it. I think I think when we were doing our research, we were like, oh, I might kind of love this, this location. It's pretty great. Um, so Laura, they already know, but why don't you announce the title of this episode? We are going to the Bel Air House, located <laughs> in Bel Air, Ohio. Yay. I don't quite know where that's at in Ohio. I don't know what it's close to. Do you? Um, I believe it's in the south because it is along the Ohio River, which is the boundary between that and Kentucky. So, all right, good job. All right, I buy, I buy it. I believe it. I'm here for it. I'm all, apparently, I should have looked at, at it closer on the map. <laughs> well, again, we're good not <laughs> we're not good podcasters. We say it no. all the time. It's fine. We have a brand new Patreon, Trisha. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining this shit show. Um, we love you and we are so grateful that you have joined us. We are so grateful for your generosity. So to that end, welcome to Patreon. Welcome to History of a Hauntings official family. Here is a standing ovation for you. Okay, yay. Uh, let's see. So Bell Air House along the Ohio River, maybe in the south of Ohio. Um, this is another one of those like kind of hidden gems um, that you might have heard about. You might not have heard about. Have you ever heard of this location? I hadn't actually. Which, I mean, I lived in Ohio for a number of years, so um, in the north uh, northwestern part. But um, yeah, still never heard of it. Okay, cool. All right. Well, um, Trisha and I will settle in. You indulge us in the history of the Bel Air House. I will. So my information comes from belairhousetours.com, hauntedjourneys.com, and bumpinthenight.net, also pit.edu. So the Bel Air House is located, like I said, in Bel Air, Ohio, and was built in 1847. It is a home. Um, There's 16 rooms and it sits above the town on just under an acre of land. Uh, Is this a podcast or is this Zillow listings? Listen, it's both. I'm also looking for a home. (laughs) (laughs) Well, from what I understand, this one was sold, last sold real, 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 real affordable like. So (laughs) that's kind of what I'm hoping on. And maybe there won't be so many bids. (laughs) 
I so, feel like you could probably be the only one. <laughs> so like everything I look at, haunted or not, I'm like, hmm, <laughs> this seems doable. <laughs> Four bedrooms, perfect. Love Baker, it. Kind of nice. Up right. on the hill, good views. It's feeling pretty... I, I, I'm leaning towards yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, back to your All listing. Right. Right. Yes, so the listing. Uh, the location of the property um, does have a long history in the region. Uh, before the arrival of white settlers, several Native American tribes occupied the region, uh, including the Mingo, the Shawnee, and the Delaware. All of them left behind a mark um, on the area before being pushed out by the treaties in the late 1700s. So the front of the home um, actually sits on the Ohio River. Um, and But in the vicinity of the home, there are the sacred burial caves of the Shawnee. Um, on this land also is where the French and Indian Wars took place from 1754 to 1763. And if you know your history, um, the Native Americans did not fare well and were massacred by the French during the war. Yeah, so we've already got a, a lot going on. There's so much already, right? Already. Just, we've got... Just, we just put a toe in. Like it's, Oh, cool. <laughs> Great. All right. Yeah. We're not going to like cannonball into the rest, are we? Maybe a little bit. Um, (laughs) Many believe the house also rests along a ley line, um, which is one of the paranormal centers of energy that crosses the earth. These types of lines were suggested by Alfred Watkins in 1925 when he was researching the alignment of ancient sites. It's believed they mark the lines of earth energy around the globe. Now, have you heard of this? Yes, I have. have, Yeah, actually. um, So the episode we did on the ancient Ram Inn, that is believed to sit on a ley line. And I think it's actually the same ley line that runs to Stonehenge. Um, Oh. Yeah, because it's in in England. Um, There's a lot of different um, locations that, that we've covered that are believed to sit on ley lines. And I think, and listeners correct me if I'm wrong, because I know they will. Uh, I think Lemp Castle, no, Lep Castle, Lemp Mansion, Lep Castle, sorry, in Ireland sits on one too, I think. Oh, that's cool. If I remember Interesting. Correctly. It's an interesting theory. It is. Um, yeah. I've seen the, I've seen the lines on the map in it. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. It is interesting. <laughs> I go into a little bit more about it in my part because they, they're not entirely what you think which i thought was really cool when i found it when i found it out oh good i'm looking forward to that all right so back to the land so the ownership of the local lands um had changed hands many times over the years um but when john rodeford and jacob davis um purchased land for the specific purpose of starting a village um they did that in 1834 so they surveyed six acres of building lot sites north of what is today the 27th Street west toward Belmont Street and what is now the, the town of Bel Air, Ohio. Um, they did name it Bel Air, but it was Bell Space Air um, after Davis's former home in Maryland. Um, so soon after, other settlers began to buy lots and the town began to grow. Um, thanks to its location on the Ohio River um, the, and the construction of the Central Ohio Railway, the town grew very quickly. Um, and the oh, town sure. was renamed Bel Air, B-E-L-L-A-I-R-E, as it is still currently, um, actually by the railroad company. Oh, really? 
Mm-hmm. Kind of weird, huh? That is weird. So the Beller House um, sits atop what was once known as coal mine number one. So coal mine number one um, was owned by Jacob what, Hetherington. Um, he started his coal mining enterprise with his best friend, Jack, who was a mule. <laughs> and I am not lying. <laughs> his best friend was Jack. He was a mule. There are pictures. There are so many things. I have so many questions. But we have to the put these pictures a- up on our social media. <laughs> For real. It's Jacob and Jack. <laughs> so the mule is said to have helped him also build the mansion. Um, so the, oh, there's an old nursery rhyme. Uh, this is the house that Jack built. Yes. Um, yes. I, right, so, I know this is nursery rhyme. Right. So Jacob took the name of Jack the mule from the nursery rhyme. Now we kind of <laughs> had talked about this earlier mm. and we kind of had like a wee bit if I could actually get through the nursery rhyme. So you sip it under your drink, just waiting. Yep. So we're going to see how this goes. All right. Okay. Do it. All right. <sighs> okay. This is the house that Jack built. This is the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the cow with the crumpled horn that tossed the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the maiden all forlorn the mil- that milked the cow with the crumpled horn that tossed the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the man all tattered and torn that kissed the maiden all forlorn that milked the cow with a crumpled horn that tossed the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. Oh, this is the priest all shaven and shorn that married <laughs> the man all tattered and torn that kissed the maiden all forlorn that mar- milked the cow with a crumpled horn that tossed the cat that worried the that tossed the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the cock that crowed in the morn that waked the priest all shaven and shorn that married the man all tattered and torn that kissed the maiden all forlorn that milked the cow with a crumpled horn that tossed the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. This is the farmer sowing his corn that kept the cock that crowed in the morn that waked the priest all shaven and shorn. That married the man all tattered and torn, that kissed the maiden all forlorn, that milked the cow with a grumpled horn, that tossed dog, that worried the cat, that killed the rat, that ate the malt, that lay in the house, that said Jack built. Mic drop. <laughs> Yay. That is long and very intense. That was pretty good. I didn't put you up <laughs> no, you didn't. That was a great job. But I wish you could have been like watching me because as you're doing it, I'm like, this is the dog that killed the cat that ate there. I was like mouthing it along with you. <laughs> Just like a little kid. That's uh-huh, kind of how it yeah. goes. Yeah. These are these funny things you kind of even forget that you know until you hear them. And then you're like, mm. oh my God, it all comes rushing back. Yeah. I think um, it's really great that, so it's a British poem and he was born in England. Right. right. So that's correct. Okay. So Jacob is, yeah. I think that's, I think that's really great. And so hence guys, why the show notes read the way they do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This so. is all for fun. Yes. All right. So in the coal mine uh, that was um, under the house, there are said to have been many accidents and lives lost in the coal mine. Oh my God. Did Jack coal- the mule die? No, he's fine. 
Oh, thank God. Okay. There was a coal mine explosion that happened in the Ohio Valley in 1893. Uh, 14 men were killed, and it took days to recover the bodies. Um, however, Jacob, Jacob himself had the reputation of being a humble and decent man, and he operated most of the coal mines in the area. So he was supposed to be a good guy. So there are stories that he um, housed his workers, helped them, you know, never let them go hungry. You know, he was like a really kind of stand-up guy, even though he operated coal mines. Um, okay. All right. That actually, he kind of took care of his people. That kind of reminds me of um, Sarah Winchester. She was the same way. She would, she actually paid all, even though they, everybody worked 24 seven, she paid them almost double or triple what the average rate was. Um, she, yeah, she fed them. They, some of them had housing. She was, yeah, mm-hmm. she was very generous, even though she was a little, you know, woo woo. Right. So he was t- not woo woo, but I mean, even though he was building his <laughs> coal empire, um, with his mule friend, um, he still worked in the mines, like him and the mules still went down there. Um, they, so there was not a lot of segregation. They, he did house what it said. It was, um, a lot of his employees and took really good care of them. It seems, um, very cool. So okay. They, <laughs> there was this description of him that I thought was so fun. So Jacob is best described as a coal mining tycoon who paid all his debts. He bought 667 acres of farming and coal lands and 110 acres of woodlands. Um, And he was one of the largest taxpayers in Belmont County. So he basically did what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. He is not the Jeff Bezos of his day. Um, (laughs) What a giant dick. (laughs) Oh, Oh, did you mean the spaceship or the dude? Yes. Um, (laughs) Both. Um, so Jacob, um, also was known to have worked with Reverend Truman of the Bel Air United Methodist Church to free runaway slaves. And supposedly they used the home as a stop on the Underground Railroad. Oh, get out. Okay. So now we've got, we've got ley lines. We've got the water of the Ohio river. We've got, mm-hmm. uh, coal mine explosion. We've got underground railroad. We've got ancient burial grounds. Oh, we've got Native American burial grounds. Of course. Hmm. So. Okay. Right. It's kind of, we're all kind of trending in one direction. Do you see where we're going with (laughs) this, listeners? Do you see? (laughs) I'm saying it might be not awesome. Uh, So. It's not haunted. She's just talking about this listing she found on fucking Zillow. (laughs) <laughs> right, I'm all, mm, I don't know. I think they can knock ten grand off. Um, so he he, <laughs> he married um, Eliza Armstrong, and their marriage produced ten children. Only eight survived. Um, six of the ten were sons, and they all became interested and engaged in the coal business in some way or another. So when Hetherington died, he left the land in his house to Eliza and his eldest son Alex. So either way. Um, you know, who was running the business at that time. Not long after, Eliza also died in the house. So Alex took over the business. Um, he didn't do well, um, and the business suffered. Um, he was having psychotic breaks and seeing things. And it's basically, I mean, now we know he was schizophrenic. Then they didn't know. Um, oh, he no, was, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was later uh, declared insane, and he was committed to an asylum. 
He did have two children, Lyde and Edwin, and the sister Lyde took over the company after Alex, but she also tragically died in the dining room of the house, but I couldn't find the cause of death. I think I I read heart attack. Yeah. Something very natural. Choking heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing crazy. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So her brother Edwin um, was super distraught over her death and he became obsessed with spiritualism and trying to contact her. So, well, and that was sort of like, that was kind of like the craze back then, right? Like spiritualism Mm -hmm. was really just starting to gain popularity and, so it doesn't, it was, it fits the timeline of when like Harry Houdini Absolutely. was trying to go around and debunk all this crap, right? Right. All the sand stuff, all the like crackpot mediums and that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So um, after this, um, because he kind of lost his focus, um, it said that he ended up losing the house to some relatives and it then passed out of the Hetherington family's hands. To like some cousins or something. Um, and then it sat for many years abandoned. Um, and I know you're going to touch on some of the stories that happened when it was abandoned, but um, the owners at one point even tried to sell it to the town for a dollar and they declined um, because right. nobody wanted to touch this place with a 10 foot pole. They were like, yeah, no, thanks. Right. That's when you should have fucking bought it. Right? I know. Seriously. I mean, think of the upkeep. I mean, just, oh, I could have made so much money. My God. Lost Um, opportunity, honey. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. All the time. So the house is currently owned by Kristen Lee, um, who is a psychic medium and paranormal investigator. So she has opened up the property uh, for tours and paranormal investigation, and she has also written a book on the property. And that is the history of the Bel Air house in Ohio. I had no idea this place had such a rich, deep history. I love all of it. I love all of it. I love, um, well, I don't love the French and Indian Wars, but. Not so great. mm -mm, Not so great, but I love the mule. I love Jack. I'm so glad he didn't die in the coal mines because, I mean. Right, we love him. um, I love that he helped build the house. Like, I love that he helped (laughs) bring, like, the materials to the property to build the house. Um, Yeah, it's really. I mean, the area itself is so rich in, his, in history. And then um, the story of Jacob and his old best friend is my favorite thing. Maybe. I think we can all relate to that. You know what I mean? Like sometimes your dog is just your best friend. You're, you know, people suck and animals are just the way to go, frankly. Right. And worked with him every day and helped him build all the things that he built. Right? I mean, what can you do? Like Mike. The cats in my house right now, they just meow at me all the time and want food and treats and something, but they never, I mean, they're not helping me do anything. They're not picking up stuff around the house. Come on, cats. (laughs) They're pooping under my bed. It's a problem. Like we need to. Oh my God. I hope not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. And Kristen Lee, I actually, in, in my research and the podcast I've listened to interviewing her and the shows I've watched. She's a really, she's really quite a remarkable woman. Um, so I do talk about her quite a bit in my part, obviously. Um, so we are going to be right back, guys, uh, with the haunting portion of the Bel Air house as Laura has already set it up. I mean, guys, it's, we were talked a couple of episodes ago, or maybe it was the last episode where there's like almost a trifecta 
between exactly uh, with serial killers and with haunted locations. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the material it's built out of where it's at the land it sits on. It almost has to have this like culmination of ingredients right. that make a haunted. Right. Location. The trauma, the water and yeah, it's the, um, the stone. Yeah. The sandstone. The, yeah. The construction. Right. Absolutely. But if it has all those three things, it seems like golden. It's mm-hmm. 100% going to be. Haunted. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand percent. Um, Plus, we have, we have a death in there. We have a death in there. We have tremendous emotional grief. So we have a lot of this stuff. So Laura's really set it up. Um, and this place is, is pretty crazy. Um, so we're going to talk about that here in just a second. Uh, we will be right back. Please, please, please listen to one of our buddy podcast promos, Paige, and her sultry voice of Reverie True Crime. My name is Paige, and I'm the host of Reverie True Crime. Reverie means to daydream, but even daydreams can become nightmares. Come join me and get lost in horrific reverie about true crimes and eerie events. Reverie True Crime Podcast, available wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Okay, so uh, Trisha and I are going to do our best to get through this. She's she's with me in spirit, our new Patreon. Um, so uh, my sources are plentiful. Uh, Politic-Pros, Haunted Journeys, The Grave Talks, Week in Weird, Higgy Pop, Bel Air House Tours, All.com. The Grave Talks I got um, was an article by Tony Bruski, not like the beer, but B R U E S K I. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the podcast, Amy Keeps It Creepy. So you had closed your part with um, the book, or she's actually written two books. Um, so the most recent book that's coming out soon or has come out recently is called Paranormal Confessions. Um, she did, Kristen Lee did write this book and the foreword was actually written by Andrea Perrin, who grew up in the Conjuring House. Um, I've talked about Andrea a lot on this show and I will continue to. She's amazing. You should also read her books. But I thought that was pretty impressive that Andrea Perrin wrote the foreword um, to her book, Paranormal Confessions. So I wanted to include in my part when I start um, praise for the book. And I chose two specific um, excerpts from the praise from the book because I have actually heard of both of these people. The first one is from John Zaffis, who is a fairly well-known paranormal investigator. Have you ever heard of him? I have not a couple of, I think he's been on ghost hunters before. I think he's been on ghost adventures. So he's, He's fairly well known in the paranormal community, but he says, quote, paranormal confessions is a wonderfully creepy book. After spending a few nights at the Bel Air house and experiencing the spirits within its walls, I can say it's very haunted and still has a few secrets to share. I was like, okay. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the next one is, um, <laughs> uh, I'll tell you who wrote it in a second. Uh, <laughs> 
says, or reads rather, quote, I have investigated locations for 35 years. I have been to places that are terribly frightening and some that are quite benign. The Bel Air House is a location that I will always hold dear to my heart. Many who are investigators will know that when you investigate a location, you may have little to no paranormal activity. When it comes to the Bel Air House, it is the exception, and it behooves any paranormal investigator or those who are considering becoming an investigator to read this book and learn from Kristen, who survived this terrifying nightmare. I was able to witness firsthand the activity that Kristen writes in her book, and without hesitation, I can tell you that the Bel Air House is one of the most active haunted locations that I have ever investigated. I was honored that I was asked to perform the minor rite of exorcism and help my friend. That was written by Bishop James Long, exorcist and archbishop in the old Catholic church. Holy shit. That's Uh, pretty cool. Yeah. So there have been a number of... um, Emma, when are we going? Right. Uh, When do you want... Okay, you're going to have to cancel a Virginia trip. So pick one. Um, I don't know. We'll talk about it later, but this place sounds rad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so he's just one of many people that have, tr- have gone in and either successfully or tried to rid the house of its spirits. But I'm going to tell you in a minute why it's just constantly kind of a revolving door of mediums and priests and exorcisms and cleansings and more spirits and it's let me just continue i'm like i don't know where to go from here (laughs) it's just not ever going to stop in this house so Mm -hmm. um like you said uh the house sits atop what was once coal mine number one owned by jacob hetherington when he died the land eventually passed to Lyde and um, her brother, Edwin. Uh, She did die in the house and her brother was heartbroken. And as a way of contacting her, he began dabbling in spiritualism, more specifically seances. Um, He ended up kind of uh, doing it all the time and kind of Mm -hmm. of going down that rabbit hole where he just got deeper and deeper and deeper into it. Um, At one point, he did actually profess to be a medium and and hone his skills um to where he could speak with the dead not just his sister but others um however he was still rather green and it is widely believed that his continual use of these methods seances and the like left the house vulnerable to paranormal events so as you also said, it is it does sit on a ley line, one of the paranormal centers of energy that crosses the earth. The line, and this is what I was talking about when you were talking about the ley lines. This line in, in this particular location, it actually runs vertically f- up from the earth through the house um, from the seance room where Edward, Edwin would perform them all the way up huh. through the attic. So it's not like the other two lines that go mm-hmm. it's across not like, the earth. Right. It's not like latitudinal, longitudinal. It goes up. So um, it's like a, like the mind hit hell or something and it's like shooting straight up. Is that like the idea that kind of because yeah. it's so deep and then it just shoots up like elevator shaft? Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. It okay. goes, she said it goes right up through the seance room into the altar room and out through the attic. 
It's pretty crazy. They have an altar room. I'm just saying. What is uh, I believe. Sounds like a good idea. Uh, I well, I mean, Edwin was living in the house, so he had he did a room right. where he had stances, mm-hmm. and then he had a room where he had an altar. So, oh, okay. Um, so again, they connect various landmarks. Among them, Stonehenge's one ancient ram inn and potentially the Bel Air House. There's a number of them. Um, this one that connects the ancient ram inn and Stonehenge are the horizontal ones. This is the first location I've heard of where the ley line actually is vertical and goes from the ground up. I've never heard of that's, anything like I've that. never heard of that too, either. I mean, yeah. I know that they're supposed to like even go under like the Great Pyramids mm-hmm. yeah. in Egypt and yeah, like all yeah. these different places like Machu Picchu and... Yeah, it's crazy. I've never ever heard of them going up. It's really fascinating. So I kind of want to do a little bit more research into ley lines, see what mm. other ones have vertical ones. So I thought that was really cool. Um, so you and I talked about in your part, like we've got this fucking laundry list already going. We've got the coal mines, the ley lines, the seances performed by Edwin, the nearby Native American burial caves. So already with all of this, you kind of have a recipe for hauntings and other supernatural events. 100%. This is a horror movie in the making. <laughs> right? Right. Like nobody could write this. Like this is... I'm so actually, I'm actually kind of surprised nobody has done a movie about it. But me too, actually. Hey, um, hey dibs, copyright, no. <laughs> <laughs> trademark, trademark. Um, <laughs> Kristen, call us. We've got brilliant ideas. So, so I listened to um, a podcast that she was on, and um, also read a, a, about it on their website, but. Apparently, in the location where this house is at, it's on a clear night. You can very clearly see all of the stars in the sky and all of the constellations. So you can see the planets with the unaided, you know, naked eye. You can just look up and see, Uh you know, it's amazing. Um, So they do believe, and through as much historical record as they can find, the Native Americans would perform ceremonies on the land, um, and and call on their their spirit guides and, and things of that nature. Um, so there's a lot of, in addition to the blood spill during the French and Indian Wars, the coal mine accidents, uh, the ley lines, the seances, all of this stuff, and then these ceremonies that were performed by Native Americans. Um, it just sort of is a wealth or a spring almost just waiting to erupt mm-hmm. of paranormal activity. So it sounds like it. Yeah. Um, like you had said, it did gain its sinister reputation when it was abandoned for several years. Neighbors and curiosity seekers claim to see figures in the house milling around or peering out the windows, um, even though it was closed and locked. But a lot of them blame the sightings on um, mischievous kids breaking right. into the house, you know, um, But when Kristen and her family moved in, it actually didn't take them very long to realize that this was actually not the case. So she and her family moved in because they had found themselves homeless because their home was destroyed by two flashed floods. It was Hurricane Ivan. And I think she said Francis. They had kind of been back-to-back hurricanes, which um, I remember Ivan. Ivan was a crazy one because... It was really bad. Right. My family here in Raleigh, um, 
we were worried about them because it came up kind of from the Caribbean up through the Gulf, up through Florida, and then it went up through Georgia and the Carolinas. It went up the Eastern seaboard. But what Ivan did, which was weird, was it then kind of did a U-turn and then went back down and rebuilt on itself. Yeah. So all of those, like, um, I don't, I don't remember what they're called, but those, um, outer bands of the storm really affected Jennifer and her family in Pittsburgh. And so Ohio and all of them. So her home was actually destroyed, um, partly destroyed with Ivan. And then the next hurricane after Ivan kind of did his thing, then I think she said Francis was the next one. Um, completely obliterated her home. So she and her family were homeless for, I think she said a couple of months. FEMA gave them $25,000 to um, start their lives anew because they had declared her home uninhabitable. So she was at work one day and she was kind of shopping around to kind of see what her and her family could afford. And she found this house. She found the Bel Air house. Um, at a pre-foreclosure auction, which she bought in, I think, 2005 or 2007 for $46,000. Nice. Yeah. So the family moves into the house and it's her and her boyfriend and their kids. Um, I think she had a boy and he had a boy. And then they were like, it was like a blended family situation, I believe. Um, but. <clears throat> It would be a situation where like she would like set the hammer down and she was working on something. She was hanging stuff. She would set the hammer down. She would go into the room to get something else to hang and she would come back on the hammer would be gone. And she would think that her boyfriend had taken it to use it for whatever. And he's like, no, I've been outside. I haven't needed the hammer. At all. Like I didn't even see it. I didn't even see it. And then she'd find it and it would be like outside where he was. Working. Mo- weird. Mm-hmm. So it would, it would kind of, from what I gathered, some of the interviews that I had listened to from her, it, it had kind of started um, creating friction between them because it was like, hey, you said you didn't have the hammer, but here it is right fucking by you. And he'd be like, I didn't right. take the goddamn hammer kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Disembodied voices, things moving of their own accord, doors shutting. One night, she, um, was laying down on the couch in the living room and she saw a gray apparition leaning over her when she woke up. And when she demanded to know who he was, he just turned around and walked away, fading away slowly as he went. So she was like, there's gotta be an explanation for this. What I find interesting about her is that she is actually a forensic mental health expert and has a master's level and is a master's level psychologist. So I really I saw that. I really That's like really cool. that. Yeah, because she's mm-hmm. trying to go through every possible explanation that she can. Right. She's to, gonna look at it scientifically. Right. Yes. There there's a reason, there's a logical explanation for all of this. Mm-hmm. So I mean, again, it was still the constant, you know, things lurking in their house and the voices, phantom footsteps, other unexplained activity, things moving of their own accord. Um, it, she started to chalk it all up to them being tired and physically and emotionally exhausted. They'd been homeless for two months. You know, they'd barely right. been in this house for a couple of weeks. It's just, you know, a few weeks or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. it, 
So they were emotionally, physically exhausted from the move and settling in. She even blamed psychology until there was no more psychological reason left to come up with. Um, She even began to question her own mental state, thinking maybe I need to see somebody. Um, It it was one of those situations where these unexplainable, unexplainable events began to stack up. And once you get to that point, you're kind of like, well, maybe it's something different. Right. Am I crazy? I don't feel crazy, but you know, it was kind of like that those are the people that are crazy, right? The I ones had. that don't know they're crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh huh. Like when I had, uh, if you've listened to, uh, to Minnesota, which I guess will come out next week, like, I, if you have an experience and you can't like quite explain what it is, like at first you kind of blow it off. <laughs> like I did in West Virginia, like, cause you just think, oh, yeah. it's just something else, you know? And then you're like, but is it? Is it something else? Like, you know, and I can't imagine what it would be like when to you have can't that find every the day. Source, yeah, you can't find the source of it. Like, yeah, I can't imagine that either. Thank God. I mean, I I do this as a profession. I talk about it mm-hmm. on this podcast, and now I'm a professional paranormal investigator. So I do this as a profession, but you you're not going in looking like hoping to find stuff. We go in there and we're like, what is the cause of this? Okay, well, when we can't, there's no logical reason for it. Well, maybe that is, if it's unexplainable, maybe it's paranormal. Um, That's kind of the difference between like your gold star paranormal investigators and the ones that are like, we're here to find the ghosts. No, we're here to find answers. Kind of a thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I love that like idea of debunking stuff and even my own stuff, you know, like I... You have to go like the extra mile to make sure that you are eliminating any other thing that it could be because otherwise it's just bullshit. Exactly. Exactly. For sure. Um, So apparently in one particular disturbing event, and it is very, very disturbing. I, I hate the whole fucking story that she says that she still can't explain to this day. Um, She and her dog were in an upstairs bedroom while the rest of the family were out. It had gotten to a point where they were just kind of rotating sleeping in rooms because the activity was relentless and they were just trying to find like a room that the spirits were ignoring. Um, She was laying on the bed with her dog, Bella on her chest when she felt like she was starting to experience sleep paralysis. Um, She then saw a dense, dark mass floating toward her. And Bella, in the meantime, was freaking out. And she was snarling and growling and barking viciously. She said she remembered feeling Bella's breath on her face and feeling her drool hit her face. Because the dog was trying to protect her from whatever the fuck this thing was. Right. And um, she could even feel the dog's claws clinging to her, and she felt them go into her rib cage and around her clavicle. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, Dogs are the, the best. I know they're the best. Um, to the point where it was actually causing her pain. This dog was like trying on to, her. Trying like to I am gonna to like. Her. Yeah. Well, they'll put themselves in between you and the danger. So mm-hmm. if. Some- toward her and she's not moving they're gonna get yeah and she can't move yeah right yeah so um 
All this is going on when suddenly Bella was lifted up off the bed and thrown into the wall by this black mass. And uh, P.S. Side note, Bella uh, was a 60 to 70 pound pit bull mix. Hmm. So that had to be such a strong entity to lift. I can't, I could barely pick up Chewy and he's 50 pounds. Chow a retriever. I can't, like, I could do it, but not without, like, (sighs) I love you, by the way, sweetheart. You're my angel. (laughs) I'm not saying you're (laughs) fat. You're just fluffy. Um, You're thick and everybody loves it. Thick thighs save lives. He's looking at me like, stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So apparently in the incident, the dog's leg was injured and Kristen had to carry her down the hallway and down the stairs. They immediately left the house right away. She loaded the dog into her Jeep. She's like, I'm not even sure I locked the door at that point. I just didn't care anymore. Um, they actually right, nobody's did. gonna go in and steal your shit. I mean, <laughs> they might try the most haunted house ever. A thousand percent. So she said that they actually ended up going into St. Clair and spending the night in the woods. She laid blankets down and the two of them just slept in the gut. When the woods are the safer place, my <laughs> God. I'm all, that's where people get murdered. Mm-hmm. That's where bears live. Right. <laughs> When, when that is the best thing, and you know, I hate camping, um, that's <laughs> fucked up. That's fucked up. So the next very next morning, she took her dog to the vet who said that the dog had a bad sprain. And actually, the dog shows the dog survived. She did live out the rest of her life. From what I understand, the dog is now passed away. Um, okay. but she did walk with but not a, from that incident. No, but she did walk with a limp for the rest of her life because of that incident. I was like, Poor baby, if that had been a good puppy, I know if that had been any one of my dogs, I would have been like, now I'm going to kill a motherfucker again. Can you be a ghost twice? Because I'm goddamn done with you. I would have been, oh my God, don't fuck with my dogs. Like I, yes, I would have been like my kids. Like myself. just, I will, I go, we'll go from zero to 60 in a mm-hmm. half minute. The rest a of thousand time, percent. Like, I'm trying to be Buddhist. That's really cool. Like, but then. Those things hell live, laugh, love. No, Mm-mm. right? Don't hurt <laughs> not my that No, no, don't hurt my animals. Mm-hmm. My baby, don't mess up with my baby dogs. Yeah. So I guess at some point during this period, her and her boyfriend had broken up, and so it was just her and her kids. Um, the The situation with Bella was the final straw for the family, and they left the house shortly after, obviously finding it unlivable and unsafe. So she rented an apartment, but you know, she's still on the hook for this fucking mortgage. So like you said, um, yeah, yeah. Now I know what that's like. Now I can't just be like, well, I'm breaking my lease and that's just that on that. Nope. Mm -hmm. Not anymore. Um, No. So she said that She was very sleepy. She was so tired. <laughs> she was so tired of not sleeping. <laughs> she was so tired of not ghost. sleeping. So she just, needed just like a fucking yawn. Just know? a just fucking like minute. A, it's, just a minute mm-hmm. to gather herself. A thousand percent. For this bullshit. <laughs> and anyway, she ended up saying like, I can't gather myself for this bullshit. I'm getting out. So she ended up renting right. an apartment while still trying to pay the mortgage on this house. Um, like you said, she had rented it out. Um, 
but nobody would stay in it for more than a few months because they were afraid of the house. Um, one family actually claimed right. that they lost six of the nine of them while living in the home before the last two packed up and left for good. So at that point wow. is when she, yeah, she tried to sell it for a dollar to the village, but even they were like, no, thank you. They refused it. Um, so the other thing was, is after years of paranormal attacks, so when it was abandoned and when she was living there and like, it was just sort of like known, this is like the town's haunted house. Mm-hmm. Local neighbors and local- but legitimately haunted, not just some creepy house on a hill. Like it's fucking right. legit. Exactly. So. So she had another yawn and she decided. To have a sip of vodka. Right. That always helps all of the paranormal situations. Um, It's actually in the handbook. It is for the recently deceased. (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) Handbook for the recent. (laughs) See Beetlejuice if you need any further clarification. That is the uh, doctrine on paranormal investigation. Um, Of course it is. Neighbors and locals knew it wasn't safe for anyone to live behind its walls. um, So she was pretty much fucked. Um, eventually she did meet up with a paranormal investigator and together they turned it into a paranormal attraction with the hopes that a regular influx of ghost hunters might keep the Bel Air house financially afloat while also kind of uncovering the source of its hauntings once and for all. Um, that would lead into it becoming the paranormal research center that it actually is today. So just as a recap, there are actually five things that give the Bel Air house its reputation. The Ohio River's constant flow of water, which creates energy. We've talked about that a lot on this podcast. Mm-hmm. The Native American massacre during the French and Indian Wars and the bloodshed, which had seeped inside the land, the torture and rape of slaves, even though Ohio was a free state and the Bel Air Bel Air house. No, the Bel Air house is part of the abolitionist movement. There were, were still some Southerners who moved to Bel Air to carry out slavery. Um, and then the element of fire and the explosion that killed the coal miners, the nighttime constellation above the land, which I talked about. And then the deaths inside the Bel Air house. So we don't even have the trifecta. We have the quintifecta. <laughs> we have the all the fucking things. That's all what we have. <laughs> we have the cincofecta, uh, <laughs> which is way, way worse. Right? So bad. It's just really bad. So it's believed that there are two spirits, two, by the name of Emily Davis. Um, one is a child who used to play at the Bell Air House when she was a child and another, an older girl, one was known to ha- to have drowned. And the other was known as a close friend of the Hetherington family. For some weird reason, the house seems to draw individuals with similar first and last names. Cause this isn't the first or the last time that like people with the same names or the same initials or the same, uh, it's weird. I'm, I'm not really sure when, but when happening. towns were being developed. The basic town, there were families that would be like, you know, generations of families and split offs of the same family that would all have the same last name. So th- that makes total sense, to be honest. And yeah. you had those popular names then, just like you have now. And, it, you know, generally like uh, religious Hopper names, but- and Ackerman. Yeah. Yeah. We're so everywhere. Popular. We're everywhere. Oh, my God. I can't even stop. Um, 
It's ridiculous. But the funny thing is, all like most of the other Ackermans I find like come from Ohio, where my family is from. Like there was a senator with my last name. There was like, um, oh, wow. so there's a lot of that like in one place. Like we all kind of started. Like we all kind like the people that migrated over with my last name kind of started in Ohio and then, you know, branches, branches, branches. Sure, sure. And then you don't know each other anymore, but, you know, we're the only people that I normally see with the last name. I mean, of course, now it's different. People are branching out more. But if you go back, it's all almost like in that general area. Area, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, The Midwest. Most of my family, my mom, my mom said anyway, is all from Indiana, but it's the same exact situation. Yeah. Like they all started there and then just kind of like, infected the rest of the world. I'm kidding. Um, right. So one of the Emily's likes to talk through EVPs and on the ghost box, which again is like the spirit box. She jumps at the chance to illuminate what she has called the beautiful hues of a K2 meter or an EMF detector. Oh, um, I know it seems really cute. Doesn't it seems really mm-hmm. cute. Uh, Various ghost hunters have reported that up to 11 portals are actually located throughout the house. And despite the best efforts of mediums and priests, these portals refuse to stay closed. So like I said, come on in, exercise it, send them back. There's just like a line waiting. Like his, like the cover for the like, handbook for the recently deceased is a long line right, of people just waiting. Right, to just like, in. I was just gonna say, just like Beetlejuice, like the door just keeps uh-huh. opening and closing. It's just a closing. fucking revolving door, yeah. Um, so as dark spirits are removed from the house, more show up to take their place over and over again. Um, the haunting isn't simply affecting one, the one home, but actually many of nearby buildings as well. So many investigators throughout the years have now concluded that the haunting is less about the house, but more the land the the land that the house is on. Mm-hmm. If you think I about did. it, yeah. I mean, it's not the best. Mm-mm, it's not. So one of the Emilys is known to make contact most often in the attic, and the owner says it's in the attic where she feels the most oppression. Interesting to note, they have a lock on the outside of the attic door, locking that whatever that's creepy. Yeah, I don't love that idea. Yeah, a thousand percent. If we had come across a room in College Hill that was locked, that they said, well, you can go in it if you want. I'd be like, I don't know. Is I going to be going in this room? Why do you have it locked from the outside? Right? Like something's going to get out. Yeah. Like something's going to get out in an attic. Mm -mm. Nope. Thank you. I don't know. Yeah. So... Of the Emily's, it, it it's a common um, documented thing that has occurred that is mm-hmm. known in the paranormal community that a demonic, demonic, the less I hate scary, those <laughs> less scary version of demonic, right? Um, a demonic entity will take the form of something seemingly benign, an old woman, usually children, right, or a child. Yes. Yeah. Because you're not going to immediately be afraid of an old woman or a child. I'll be afraid, more afraid of an old woman than I would of a child. I don't know. Kids creep me out. I have one. They're huge pains in the asses. And that's probably going to be the first thing I'm going to be like, you know what? (laughs) You're probably going to ask me for like 12 things and never let me take a nap. I'm good. (laughs) I don't trust you and you need to go away. (laughs) That's probably true. Um, I'm going to break my shit. 
Yeah. So it's believed that one of the Emily's is a demonic entity just trying to, you know, make a friend. Um, exactly. As, so court, they do. as they do. According mm-hmm. to Kristen, a boy also haunts the addict. He was believed to be the son of a servant named Gary, and he fell out of the window in the attic. It is actually suggested um, through some of the investigations that have been done at the house that the spirit of one of the Emily's actually pushed him out of it. So there's that on that. Yeah, I'm going to scratch Emily off of the list of names. I want Coy to name his first daughter. Um, and this story just always, as always, when Carrie's part comes, it always just gets better and better. It does get better and better. <laughs> Happy times, rainbows, <laughs> kittens. <laughs> Laura starts going, take me home, country road, <laughs> to the place. Where's one of my kittens that I can hold? I'm going to hold I one of my kittens when I finish your part. <laughs> West Virginia, mad mama. <laughs> Quit talking, Carrie, please, my God. <laughs> Um, so through the number of paranormal teams that have investigated the house and several incidents that have happened, have led the teams and the tour guides of the house to classify them as demonic activity. The most critical being full on physical assault. Mm -hmm. It hasn't happened to me yet, but I'm sure it's going to, um, it's just, it's It's just kind of like the nature of the business. Like you go into these places. It's it, it just, it's it's bound to happen. You know, it's nice to have something to look forward to. It is. It is. You know, hashtag um, goals. There you go. One of the tour guides was actually, one time was carrying an armful of equipment downstairs when he felt something tug on him violently and he fell down the stairs. So there's that. Um, on Paranormal Lockdown, have you ever seen that show? I think it was a travel channel show. It was no, I don't, early, I don't think I have. It's the early version, I think, of Portals to Hell with Jack Osborne and um Katrina Weidman, I think her name is Christina Weidman. I can't remember. I don't think I've either, I don't think I've seen either of those shows, to be honest. So it was a show that um Nick Groff, who was on the Ghost Adventures team, he did with this Katrina Weidman, and mm-hmm. um. So they did this episode at the Bel Air house and I think they spent two nights there. So they captured a lot of um, EVPs and spirit box sessions of a voice saying Nick clearly, um, Mm. which is probably, no, it's unsettling. It's really unsettling. Seconds later, Mm. Nick saw a shadow run down the hallway. Then a voice from the spirit box said, save us. And when Nick asked, how can we save you? Another voice seemed to say, leave. And so when they questioned it and said, do you want us to leave? Another voice said no. So it kind of led them to believe that there seemed to be multiple entities within the house battling each other. Doesn't surprise me. If there's a portal no. and people are kind of fucking going in and out. Um, right. And we just had that. We've we've heard this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, Minnesota. Yeah, Exactly. Oh, exactly. Um, Upon review of some audio evidence, it does sound to them as though multiple voices were talking about killing a child. And Nick had actually added and said that it wants to murder children. This is scary. I don't love that at all. That's Uh, horrifying, right? 
So the next night, they did work in the attic and they heard a crying child, but they both got the sense that something was actually trying to trick them. So which if one of the Emily's is a malevolent entity makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you say here, I'm going to go see if I can't find where that crying child is coming from. And then you're separated. You're alone. You're more vulnerable. Um, I think once we got into College Hill, I don't think any of us really wanted to spend too much time alone. I remember when I had asked you to go up and get the SD card for the camera and I was alone in the basement and I was like, I don't want to be here, but I have to do some investigating. So then I wandered down the hall when you came back down, you were like, Carrie, Carrie. <laughs> like I literally ran because I knew you were not going to be comfortable down there. So like I ran up the two flights of stairs so that I could get it really fast. And then I tried to open it. You know what I mean? But isn't that, right, yeah. it, that like terrible plastic? Yeah. So I just ran back downstairs and I was like, we'll open it together so that you're not alone down there for very long. So like I was hustling. And then I come back downstairs and because as soon as you're okay. So I come down to landing, I I get in the basement and she wasn't when you turn right, she was right at the end of the hall there. And I knew she was already freaked out when I left. (laughs) So, and then she wasn't there. I was like, Oh no, they took Carrie. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, where are you? Or now I'm alone down here and fuck that shit. Either way, I'm not pleased. Like, maybe she went outside. (laughs) Maybe she had to pee. I'm not fucking pleased. That fucking bitch went to go have a cigarette. Um, Yeah, no, I had just kind of wandered down the hall and was doing some EVP work. I was like, well, you know what? I'm down here. I might as well. Yeah, it's just, you know, I hated it down there. But you weren't gone long at all. And then no, you're like, I'm <laughs> telling you, I ran up and ran down like to make sure that you weren't because I knew because you looked at me like you have to go get it. And I was like, all right. And you're like, you looked at me and you were like, please don't go. Be open it. Basically, like, like, don't take a break. Go. And I knew you do. But like, I know the basement's mm-hmm. creepy. So I was like, I just hustled up and down. I was like, I'm not leaving her alone. So, I mean, I think I was gone literally like. Less than a minute. seconds yeah, or something. Maybe. Like, it was really quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was yeah. hustling. You're like, and then you decided you were going to be brave and fucking wander off. Right? Like, if I knew that shit was going to happen, I didn't have to be, like, dying of breath. In a million <laughs> degree hospital in the humidity. That's fine. It's fine. It's super fun. Yeah. Anyway. So sorry. So sorry about that. Um So others visiting the house have actually captured a shadow figure in a photo that looked like it was wearing a veil, which I thought was interesting. That's kind of a specific shadow figure. Um, Yeah. On the podcast, the host, um, the Amy keeps it creepy. She was interviewing Kristen and she had said that they were doing a spirit box session when she had been at the house and somehow randomly her phone dialed 911 So she assured them that she was fine and that the call was an accident. Well, after they hung up a few minutes later, the spirit box spit out the sound of a siren. (laughs) Oh, that's fucked up. That's super fucked up. I was like, oh my God. So the flip side of that is that's a ghost with a sense of humor. So like, I kind of love that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We got the fucking mule. He's he's named after a poem, and now we've got this right. funny ghost. Um, so the flip side of that is that while it is actually hella creepy to um when the spirit box does give relevant words, 
Sometimes mm. they don't. So BuzzFeed Unsolved went there. And if you guys have seen this, you know what happened. But BuzzFeed Unsolved went to the Bell Air House. And um, so Shane and Ryan are in the room where I believe it's the room where Kristen and her dog Bella were in, the room that Bella had gotten thrown up against the wall in. And they're doing a spirit mm-hmm. box session. And um, Ryan says something like, if you're here, what is it you want? Give us a sign. And they get spaghetti on the spirit box. And Ryan starts giggling and he's like, spaghetti? What? So then Shane's like, tell us your name, demon. And they get apple tater. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all, it's my kind of ghost. Right? (laughs) Um, So, I mean. I'm kind of hungry too. Right, I've been here for hours. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Let's do this. Let's order starving. up some apple bees. I'm fucking done. right, a thousand percent. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, it's it is it is crazy when the spirit box does give you relevant words to like what you're asking or whatever. But sometimes, like I said, it doesn't. Sometimes you ask the demon what its name is, and it comes back with apple tater. Um, so yeah, it, it can. It, it did add a, a bit of levity to their investigation. Um, they did hear a child. Um, humming or crying and they both heard it even Shane couldn't explain mm. it he was like uh, I'm not really sure and he's way bigger skeptic than you he's actually kind of a non-believer um, mm. so it's pretty impressive that he was like I don't know what the fuck that was um, so anyway it, it that's kind of everything that I have for the hauntings and stuff like that the experiences of the Bel Air house there are a number of shows and podcasts about this place guys it's uh, been on the Travel Channel, Discovery Channel, Destination America, Most Terrifying Places, BuzzFeed Unsolved. I mean, it's a number of podcasts, and we are adding ours to that pile as well. But I do have No Before You Go. And so uh, No Before You Go, you can contact them. They are The house is located at 1699 Belmont Street in Bel Air, Ohio, 43906. You can call them at area code 740 740- Five seven nine one eight four one or seven four zero five seven nine one six seven zero. Now I do want to um, go over a little bit about the pricing and some other interesting stuff that I found on the Book Now page of their mm-hmm. website. So if you want to do an overnight investigation. Um, on the weeknights. So Monday through Thursday, overnight investigations run from 5.30 p.m. till 11 a.m. the next day. Uh, All weeknight investigations are $500 a night up to eight people and $50 per person over eight people. Um, Because of COVID and things like that, you must bring your own pillows, blankets, and towels for your comfort. Because it is a house. So it's got heat, electricity, it's got a shower, it's got a kitchen. You've got to bring all your own stuff but it is better than going to a, say, abandoned hospital where they have none of that stuff. So well, it, it does save you a bit. Although, like, I would have seen the hospital if I just would, like, maybe had a cot. I probably would have been okay. But yeah, I would have just because I'm a weird, like, I'm super bug weird. It's more like it's Me not it's that true. it wasn't safe. It was more like. I got to say, I'm pretty grateful that it was Chris that ran into the, walked into the spider webs instead of us. <laughs> Dude, I did get it one time kind of bad. And then oh, after did that, you I really? was like, 
Yeah, it happened more than once, but I didn't like one time where it was like, you know, like in your face. <laughs> like, oh my god! Like, oh no! Remember, I asked you. I was like, "Is there a spider on me?" <laughs> like, oh, that's like, right. You were like, "You promise there's no spider." That's right. I forgot. I forgot about that. Yeah. Then after that, it was Chris every time, and I yeah. loved the um, yeah. hearing him in the EVPs going, "Fucking spider webs." <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of them where he's saying, "Goddamn spider webs." Yeah. It's, mm. Yeah. So anyway, that's their weekday price. It's $500 a night up to eight people. Their weekend price is an all-access private weekend. Check-in Friday at 5.30 p.m. Check out 11 a.m. Sunday for $995, maximum of eight people. There are no refunds. I, I, had, to, I, had, to, I had to include this because I thought it was humorous. There are no refunds if you need to cancel your team's date. Upon request, you may ask to move your date one time only, one time, only in the event of a world pandemic or death. So, if you die, well, you fair can enough. Your date. There's a the world pandemic portals. thing is kind of just keeps happening. So, kind of. Know. Plus, this, this um, is eleven portals. If you die, you just come right back on in. Pick one of the portals. Dude, I see a weekend trip, uh, like a girls' trip in our future. A girls' <laughs> trip. Oh my god. So the, their I mean, site, yeah, their site also says. In all caps, no Ouija boards, urns, mirrors, or minor rites. No haunted objects to trigger the activity. No calling in demonic energy left from a from, from a left path ritual. Absolutely no rituals of any kind. No opening or closing portals. No exceptions. I was like, God damn. I saw that too when I was on that same website and I was like... Well, now we're being super fucking specific, aren't we? <laughs> like, uh huh. That's not anything that's I've seen on any, any other mm-hmm. website. Me either. I've never seen that before. As far as like something you're gonna have to sign off on, like usually when you, I mean, not that I've been to a lot of places, but the couple that I've been to, like you sign off, like you sign a waiver. Hey, I might fall down the stairs or whatever. Sure, okay, but not like you have to agree to not like have a seance or do whatever, like. Don't that's bring in a haunted object. Super yet. specific. Like, really yeah, the crazy. haunted object thing. Normally, that's like a everybody does that. Well, I mean, we don't necessarily it's like, like we bring in trigger objects. Trigger, 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 trigger objects. Yeah, haunted. we bring in, but I mean, people do. I would imagine that they do, especially if they know that this has like the syncofecta of <laughs> paranormal right. causes. I don't know that you need to in this place. I don't know that you would. I agree. So it goes on and says, if you are an ordained clergy from a 501c3 nonprofit religious organization of any kind and can prove that you have been trained by professional clergy for at least three years, you may request to cross over spirits with the presence of Kristen Lee. No exceptions. Mm -hmm. It also says, and I was like, this is where the bitch came back and made her money. Kristen Lee is no longer doing complimentary film interviews. Please understand that if you ask her to be on your YouTube channel, there is a fee of $350 for her unique commutation sessions and her interview. Kristen Lee seldom represents the Bel Air house at conventions. However, and if asked, she will consider it. Her travel must be included with lodging. She has a personal assistant helping her at all times, and her appearance fee is $500. Oh, good for her. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, that is the Bel Air house. Um, Like I said, 
everything that I was finding as far as like in print and actually kind of on some of the shows that I um, had watched and podcasts that I listened to, they really kind of emphasize more about the history of the house and her experiences while living there. But it's kind mm-hmm. of a um, kind of a mixed bag or kind of played close to the vest as to like anybody else's experiences there, which I found really kind of interesting. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven sources. And I couldn't find anybody that was like, like news crews had been there, but everything that they had experienced, like nobody, nobody really said much of anything. I, I found that one blurb about the tour guide who had gotten tugged on while he had an armful of equipment in it and like kind of stumbled down the stairs, fell down the stairs. I, I, I was really kind of surprised. I think it's interesting that it's, it's a little difficult. Uh, there's a number, it's on a, a ton of TV shows, a ton of podcasts. I just didn't have the time to listen to all of them or watch all of them. So I was just like, well, you know what? I buy it. I I'm here for it. I think there's a lot of shit here. I just right. couldn't find all the specifics. It was really interesting and kind of weird. Well, that, and um, I mean, but because, I think because it was empty for so long, there's a lot of like, supposition about how haunted it was and whatever until like there was a new family inside and experiencing all these things and again you have somebody that is kind of in the field or became in the field and yeah kind of keeps it that way it is more of a research institute as far as not putting all the stories out there so yeah it is kind of interesting but um, again, you can see it in lots of places and hear the podcast. Uh, it's an yeah. interesting, really interesting place. Uh, you have all that history. You have all the ideas of the hauntings. It sounds really cool. It sounds like a place I definitely would love to go spend a weekend. You have Jack the Mule. I mean, that's, what else? You don't need anything I mean, else. Honestly, I just want to hear... A jackass that isn't Carrie. Tell me things. <laughs> from <outside. laughs> it's never gonna fucking do, happen. <laughs> and I did do really good around the nursery rhymes. I'm feeling really you good about it. You killed it. Um, good job. Good job. Um, I love the fact that his best friend is a feel. And he seemed like a really cool guy, and he really did the right things. And um, yeah, you know, I think his great grandson or his grandson or whoever Edwin was to him, I think Edwin mm-hmm. kind of like woohoo, kind of I, oh, I fucked it up because there was like all that, that shit there, and then opened it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's with got all that little, history, and I, it, yeah. I mean, I did hear that there had been they had found Civil War muskets there, but there was no like really? big battle or anything. But sure. I mean. You know. So there's nothing to say that it wasn't just something somebody dropped or what have you, but um, right, a maybe they camped percent. there or whatever. But right, um, yeah. But yeah, yeah I mean, all just, of this was happening. It was. I think it's really cool. Um, so it's definitely worth looking into, guys. Um, watch the shows, and you know they're constantly on all the time. Especially if you, if you have Discovery Plus, like Travel Channel got all their stuff on there. Um, which, by the way, season three of Destination Fear drops in 14 minutes. So we're going <laughs> to um, wrap this so bitch up what... because I got to <laughs> fucking go. If you want to know what Carrie's going to be doing in 14 minutes, uh, yeah, now you know. Now you know. Um, 
Um, thank you for hanging in there with us. And yes. we appreciate it. And Carrie has yes. to go watch this new Shapiro. So uh, we got to wrap this bitch up. <laughs> I got to have more shit to talk about in future episodes. Exactly. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, Laura, great job on the history as always. Thank you. Um, this is our very first. Ep- thank you. Thank you so much. This is our very first episode back after we announced that Archie had stepped down. Um, you can read his full statement on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you are a Patreon, you get to see me cry throughout the entire announcement. Uh, Cause we did release video for the Patreons um, and we let them know first that he was stepping down. But um, I think we did great. I think you and I are going to um, really kill this. And we have a lot of big, big plans for History of a Haunting podcast. The first one, starting with, Koi is designing us a new logo. And we love it. It is is super cute. Um, We can't wait to reveal it to you guys. Again, thank you, guys. Thank you for sticking out. Thank you for giving me a chance. Um, we're all disappointed that we don't have Archie all time. Um, he will come visit. So that's nice. Um, and we love you guys. Thanks for hanging in there. Yeah. 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 You're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. I think that the transition has been really seamless and you and I have a fun time and we talk a lot of shit just like Archie and I did. So I'm not, I'm not worried at all. The listeners love you. The feedback has been really, really wonderful. So thank you. Let's take this shit and run with it. (laughs) Let's go. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. As we say here at History of a Haunting, stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening. Is listening. Bye, guys. Bye.